0: Okay, so, today, the Lord has been putting on my heart a conversation that, that happened, I think, a week ago. So, a week ago, it was just gist of a conversation. It wasn't even, you know, a whole con- full conversation. It was just, like, bits and pieces of it. And I fought to hear more of it, but I realized the more I fought to hear it, the more that they would have tried to play over my mind or... You know, make it seem as if I didn't have complete trust in God, regardless of what I heard or whatever they said. But what I heard was, and I talked about this already, was that big comfy couch freestyle, that's too raw for you, or something like that. And I think, in my heart, I feel that, you know, what was running through my mind was, you know, there are things that I have, you know, that the Lord has blessed me with spiritual gifts and power, but also just my creativity and my individuality and the things that make me different that people have been trying to get their hands on, you know, for a while. And it's, it's not become priority of me anymore because, you know, if it's meant for them to take or have, if they could ever take anything that truly belongs to me, It doesn't truly belong to me. So I'm I'm not really necessarily worried about that. For me, my priority is always to, you know, become the woman of God that I'm destined to be. That's my priority. And though it may not seem it or look it sometimes with my actions, you know, I realize that that is my priority. I know that. So these different things, when they're brought up in conversation... You know, I'm realizing that Satan is doing his best, his best to distract me from what matters most. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, all things considered, Satan could never keep me from my destiny. He can never, you know, stop me from becoming a woman of God that God intends for me to be. That's going to happen like God said it would. It's happening right now. So I don't really have to worry about that. So what becomes your concern after you know that you're going to be okay no matter what? The people around you that Satan has decided to use in order to, you know, hurt or prevent you from your destiny. A lot of people are like, well, I know I'm going to be okay. That's all that matters. It's not all that matters. The Lord has... Place these people in your path, even if to destroy or to be used by Satan for a reason. So at that point, you know, your mind, my mind goes to a place where it's like, okay, so what can I do to protect these people? What can I do to help them? Because I remember this word that the Lord gave me before this all started. He said to start praying for the people around you, because when Satan can't get to you, he's going to use people around you. So pray for them. Just start praying for them so much more. And at the time, I was already praying for them as if I already knew that Satan was, you know, going toward trying to attack them. Like, that's just, you know, what I had already been doing. I had already been praying for them as much as I pray for myself, even more. I pray for them more. I pray for everybody around me more. I pray for other people more, you know. So I didn't. You know, it didn't bring alarm to me that as much as I was praying for them, then I needed to maximize that like 10 times more. I needed to pray for them as much as I was praying for them, maximize that, and just do it more, way more. And, you know, the thing about it is, like, I assumed that, you know, I was already praying for them the most that I could. And you can never. Be praying for somebody the most that you could. Like, you just should push yourself way past whatever you thought was okay. And the Lord has been sending that message to me in many different ways. Like, when I'm cooking, I always, you know, even though I've been cooking for so many years, recently... I get ready to pull my food out and it's been happening since the start I get ready to pull my food out and I, every single time I pull my food off I always realize it could have gone just a little bit longer it would have been better if it was just a little bit longer it would have been perfect if it was just a little bit longer It would have been more ready so I noticed like different things in life you know the Lord is always sending messages and you know, for so long, I had asked the Lord for signs. Like, my whole life, I always just used to walk through life and be like, give me a sign, God, give me a sign. And I felt that he never really was giving me any. So I just started trying to find them. And I think that that's what it is. Like, when you're asking for a sign, you're not getting one because you already have it. So maybe you should find a sign you already have. Now, me, I wasn't, you know... I don't think that I was really looking in the right places because in my mind, I was looking for a sign that he had just given me because I just asked or a sign that would autumn would just pop up now just because I asked. But I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that, you know, my prayers are already answered in God, like I already have everything that I need and I can already find the signs and everything that I already have. Which I feel like has played a big part in what I've been going through lately. Because what it feels like God is revealing to me is that it's all already there. And it's not even that I'm overlooking it, but that maybe I am. I don't even want to say overthinking or anything of that nature because that's Satan. But just that I am, you know possibly not paying attention, and then I got a word like, you're moving too fast, slow down, you're moving too fast, slow down. But it just seems so contradictory because, you know, the Lord has always told me that when I was younger, I'm the turtle, you know? Which, you know, means I'm slow. I've always been called the slow poke, and I've always been told that I was slow. But, you know, then I'm told to slow down. It's like I've had to dig so much deeper than I ever have in this entire process, except the Lord gave me a word, like all the best things are hidden in plain sight. So it's like about doing both, being both, knowing that it is yes and no, but just knowing how to find it or knowing where to look or just being able to see and hear clip correctly so the word i had gotten yesterday i believe was and i kept getting it over and over again just screaming in my ears screaming in my heart screaming in my mind it was believe none of what you hear and half of what you see none of what you hear half of what you see so so many things had just been brought into perspective like when people go to the door or when people speak of somebody And they say, speak of the devil. That just was brought into perspective earlier. The Lord speaks through entertainment. I was watching a movie. And, you know, people just say this stuff so commonly. Like, you know, when people say, hell no. Like, different stuff like that. When you realize the origination, like where it originated. When people first start saying stuff like this. You know, for me, I always worried about B, the word bitch. A lot of people call people bitches. And that's you know the definition is female dog, you know. And then hoe, you know. The definition is a garden tool. Almost everything in this world is influenced by God and and that word in the Bible. It literally is everything. Just like science, God is everything. God is not disproved by these different things, but. Actually, validated, not that he needs validation, but it just proves his existence, it doesn't disprove it. So, just so many different things I've you know, I've picked up on. Not that it's super important, but I've looked into these things, and it's like this stuff originates from God, like even the false gods, like Zeus who is supposed to be the strongest Greek god, one of the strongest Greek gods, and he is the god of thunder, and, you know, he supposedly raped Medusa, and I forget the, I think it was Athena, but I'm not sure, but she had her in her castle as a virgin, and she overlooked the rape, Because she was jealous that Zeus found interest in her when that was really supposed to be, I believe, her husband or something of that magnitude. These different things I look into and it's like, these are like Bible stories. These things, they're like twists and elaborations of Bible stories. Zeus is supposed to be a derivative of God himself. Literally, God in heaven, the almighty, the Alpha and Omega. He is supposed to be a derivative of him, which would explain why they make him the strongest, one of the strongest Greek gods. And the fact that he made children here on earth and they were like half God, half man. that, you know, derives from the Bible stories of when the angels came down and had sex with humans and they made giants. These things are so clearly deceive and deception but it's it's just still so difficult to see clearly when you just don't want to believe so something i've been battling with and dealing with lately is like you know as much as you try and get people to see as much as you try and expose these different things to people as much as you go through in the spirit as much as you fight the devil It will never matter if someone just doesn't want to believe it, if they just don't want to see it. You know, I've had recently people around me who are like, no, I know you've shown me. I've seen it. It doesn't matter what you say. I'll say, well, you know, how do you know I wasn't lying? Or how do you know I wasn't being manipulative at the time? Or how do you know that Satan wasn't using me? And they'll check me like I've seen it. I've heard it. You show you show me, and there's different individuals around me. It's like, I actually wouldn't believe a word that you said. I saw it myself. Every time you come around me, you cannot tell me anything. You have to show me. I, I actually ask for you to show me. I make you show me or something like that. And I'm like, so you know. You know, you see it. And, you know, I wondered lately, how come these individuals that have been around me, they don't believe me. They don't trust me, per se. I mean, maybe they trust me because they see it, but they don't really trust me and my word for it. Like, I can never just come and tell them something. They've seen it. What is the difference between them and these individuals? That I feel that I've been been around recently that that just won't get it. They just can't get it, and you know, it's just come down to like and it, it's heartbreaking but it's also so enlightening and fulfilling when you think about it from a positive perspective when you're thinking about how how much power God has shown in this situation these individuals don't see these things that are, other people are there and see because they don't believe so these fairy tales and these movies and magic What they say about it is that you have to believe it happens. And then there's people who say, witchcraft is not real. That stuff is all, if you believe it, like it's in your mind. When you don't believe that it's true, it doesn't affect you. And this has been something I've been battling with for a while. Because I'm saying to myself, you know, so if I never believed that any of these things could happen to me, they never would have. If I, you know told myself this stuff is not real this stuff is not happening this stuff is not true it never would have happened it never would have been true and it's such a debate about it because in this light just like I just said it feels like things contradict each other like they have to believe but then again it doesn't matter if they do like these individuals who are extremely wicked and they go around telling themselves that there is no God Regardless of if they believe that or not, when it's time for him to show his power, it's shown, it's done, he does it, you know. So it comes down to the question, is it that they don't believe or is it that, you know, they're denying it, they're denying their belief in it because the Bible says that the demons know that there is a God in tremble. so how much more does he expect from you so that means that it's not that you don't know it's that you don't want to know it's the things that you are denying it's the things that you won't face and so I had experienced a few things I was a couple months ago I had this encounter with Travis Green again I didn't I had an encounter with him early last year and this encounter was, you know, it was like a relief. I felt pulled away from the situation that had been plaguing me and I felt safe. And I didn't want to put too much thought into why. You know, of course, he had the ability to pull me away from the situation, but I couldn't get out of it myself while in, while incorporating him in it. At least, I wanted to focus on what it was about me that couldn't get myself out of this situation, but not what made him what made him capable of removing me from it. So I kept trying not to put him in it or pull him into it. Because I realized that, you know, the forces that are after me, not that I should doubt his power. It's just that when you don't know, and something I've learned in this process, it's not that somebody's not capable of doing something. It's just that I feel that maybe I'm in a situation with someone who feels that they have a point to prove. And they maybe feel that I'm provoking them. And maybe I am, because that's also something I need to possibly you know, look into, am I provoking these individuals? The Lord has told me on many occasions, do not provoke them. And I started to do everything that I could not to, but I started to realize that my existence in itself was a provocation to them. It wasn't, I couldn't, it was impossible for me not to provoke them because who, what my destiny is and who I'm destined to be is provoking to them. And I wonder why, you know, for a second. And then I realized, like, it's just who I am, you know. They came looking for me, but they claim that I came looking for them. And I'm a demon hunter. So when I put that together, I said to myself, possibly, I possibly did come looking for you. But that will make you a demon. And it's not that they denied that they were demons. But these were actually people We have power and authority over demons in Jesus Christ. So you're a person, but you are feeling as if I, you know, sought after you seeking after these demons. And that's most obvious. The answer there is so obvious. What it means is that you're possessed. So what needs to happen is that you need a deliverance. But you don't want a deliverance. You find power. And being possessed. But that's obviously not true. That's most obviously the demon and Satan deceiving you. But how can I get you to see that when you don't want to believe? You don't want to believe that. So that's not also the biggest issue. You know, in this process, what has been so hard to accept is that oftentimes, you know, the people that we think are wicked the witches and the you know the demon possessed individuals the warlocks sorcerers etc that play a part are not always the biggest issue or biggest problem oftentimes it is Christians and that's what has been the scariest thing to me because the Bible says it. The Lord, wish, the Lord wishes that you were either hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, he spits you out of his mouth. And so it's been very difficult for me in my journey is understanding what is lukewarm. Well hot is hot and I know how I am with water. When I want to take a bath, when I want to wash my hands, I hate warm water. When I want hot, I like hot water. If I want the hot water and it's warm, it just, it kind of just, it just turns me off, period. So, like, thinking of that from, a, from God's perspective, I'm thinking, like, hot is hot, literally, like, If it's just not hot, you don't want it. So there's no in-between. You know, for me, it never was. It's not, oh, it's warm enough. No, I want hot, steaming hot, on fire for the Lord. So this is something I've been thinking about, you know. I may have not been wanting to really face it, but this is something I've been thinking about. Like, as far as hot goes, you know, Maybe I'm not hot, you know. There are t- there are times when I am hotter, but I'm not hot. I'm lukewarm, and a lot of us are. And, you know, something else I've also been debating about is, like, whether you can still perform miracles and signs and wonders in Jesus' name and still be lukewarm and still not be going to heaven. So what's heartbreaking and something that I feel like has been brought into perspective, not that it's been talked about a lot, but just still like it's around this conversation surrounds these things that I feel that I've been dealing with lately is the fact that, you know, the Lord has directed me and shown me so many different, you know, things about people, different situations of individuals who are not going to heaven. They are not going, but their whole lives and consist of and is dedicated to God and not just on a what it looks like, you know, perspective, but you actually see them. You know, they are active in the spirit. You know that they are fighting in the spirit. You know that they are, you know, around a lot of the different fights and places and involve a lot of different situations that you are. And they're not going. And it just brings it to perspective how you're not going. But it's not that you should ever need that to tell you. The Lord will let you know when you are and are not going. And the Lord had shown me and told me like, if you don't do this, you're not going. From the jump, when I had my trial in heaven, the Lord said, you will make it upon completion, excuse me, upon completion of this task. And I said, you know, I had so many questions, but Jesus, you know, as the mediator, as my lawyer, he, he helped me to narrow, down, narrow it down to the most important ones or the ones that were more heavily on my heart. And maybe I really felt that I needed to know that we're more urgent. And my question to God was, you said that I will do this. Because he said, you're going to do it. And he says, you're going to heaven. He says, I could have sent you to hell, but I showed mercy and grace on you. And... I'm I'm choosing to save you from that. But it's still upon completion of this task. So for me, it was so confusing at one point. It, it was confusing, though it wasn't when you first said it. It was confusing when I started to think a little bit more about it because I said, you know, how are you saying that I'm going and that I will do it? But that it's upon completion, because upon completion sounds as if, and this is no disrespect to my father, I hope, upon completion sounds as if I won't do it. I will not do it. Or not I won't do it, but there's a possibility that I can't or won't do it. You know? It possibly doesn't even sound that way if you're not seeing it that way. But, you know, if you have to complete something, that means it's not yet completed. And then if it's not yet completed, there's always still the possibility that it won't be. But when God says that you will do it, you will. But yet it's still based off of if you do. So... I guess the biggest, you know, confusion for me, the thing that confuses me the most is the if part. Like, if you get this done, you know, it feels like there's an if there. It feels like there's an if involved. But how can there be an if involved if the Lord said I will do it? That's that's what's been so so confusing for me. I know that, the, that Satan is playing over my mind, my heart with this. Because if the Lord says I will do it, then I will do it. That's just what it is. Yet there still is an if, and he said it, but I'm sure that he knows, excuse me, the Lord meant exactly what he said, and there was no confusion in anything that he said. There's no confusion and I'm sure that that's just something I have to deal with inside of myself, and that's something that's you know, possibly going to happen upon completion of this task. But it means that it has to be done. There's no way around it. And if it has to be done, then that means that, you know, I have to realize, you know, I have to do it. So this has been just, you know, frustrating to me. Just kind of frustrating. It's kind of been stressing me out a little because it's like I'm making decisions in hopes of you know, benefiting or progressing in the direction of getting it done like the Lord said I would and there's so much pressure on me like you have to do this you have to do that you have to get up and do this and so it's like I have support motivating me in this direction and it's like but what if right now today because of all the pressure and stress I just gave up What if I just gave up? And it's like, it feels like the obvious answer to that is, well, then you won't go to heaven and you won't complete your task and you won't do it. But the Lord says that I will. So this just branches off into a whole nother conversation where it's like, okay, what if, you know, if the Lord says I will do it and it's upon completion, but if I don't get up and do it, I won't do it. You know, is it a possibility that me deciding not to do it is actually doing it? Because if I will do it, no matter what, like the Lord said, does that mean I'm going to get up and I'm going to push myself to do it? Or does that mean that whatever decision that I make moving forward is going to be what exactly in the direction I'm destined to be in? That being said, should I feel pressure on getting up? Should I feel pressure on quitting? Because maybe quitting is actually doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. It's been so many different indications of that in the process of this situation with the fact that I got into a car accident. And I feel that it was influenced by dark powers, witchcraft. Some people may not believe, but I know what I dealt with. I know what I was dealing with. My car flipped over, and I was protected. I felt it, I saw it in the spirit. But, you know, I was on my way away from this entire situation, leaving forever. In my heart, in my mind, I was deciding to leave forever, saying that I couldn't have done it. My car flipped over, and I still didn't want to come back, but I did come back and found out that coming back was exactly what needed to happen, what had to happen, what was destined to happen no matter what. You know, there were different situations where I would have never ended up here. I would have never moved out here to Houston. You know, they don't feel solid at this point, of course, because I did. But in retrospect, you know, these things could have happened that way. But it happened this way no matter what. No matter what decision I make, it's leading me and I'm guiding into... I'm being guided into everything that the Lord has destined for me. So... It's just been difficult because it's like sometimes my decisions that I want to make feel like I want to give up. I want to quit. I want to walk away. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to care anymore. Like, I just want to give up. And maybe the answer is never giving up. Or maybe the answer is giving up. And that's exactly what I'm meant to do. Because I've seen a future where I walk away, and that feels like giving up to me, especially when, you know, and I'm in the process of doing everything I possibly can to save my family. And in the future, I see that I wasn't able to. I did everything I could, though. Literally everything I could. That doesn't even feel, you know, it doesn't feel right. It feels like... When I bring everything into perspective, it feels like, it feels like, whoa, how? You know, it feels like the reason that the spirit of wisdom and discernment, the reason why the Lord gave me wisdom is to avoid these situations. And then I look at Solomon, who the Lord says are my him love. I know I say this a lot, but it's just something that's been on my heart so much because, you know, obviously he told me that. Well, not obviously, but I feel that he may have told me that, you know, for many reasons. Because hopefully maybe when I'm learning from mistakes in my life or when I'm going through different journeys I can use them as a reference as a guidance you know when I'm feeling discouraged Solomon's story is an inspiration to my life I feel that I haven't really accomplished much though I feel that I've accomplished so much I feel there's like it's not it's not even much compared to on a level of what I feel that I need to accomplish in order to truly fill those shoes if I'm ever even meant to but like Solomon, he's, wrote, he's written half the Bible. And he was the greatest king of Israel. And, you know, he was extremely rich. The most rich king in Israel. The most popular and famous king of Israel. You know, so these different things you know it's an inspiration but compared to where I'm at right now and sometimes when I look at my life and what I'm going through and what I'm doing I feel like I could never I could never you know live up to these expectations I can never be like Solomon and then there's Another side of it because Solomon wasn't perfect. You know, he had a thousand wives, 700 wives, you know, literally, and 300 concubines, and they led him away from the Lord. And he got caught up in money and attention and power, and he turned his back on the Well, the Lord turned his back on Solomon. Well, he left Solomon. He didn't t- turn his back on him, he left Solomon. Because Solomon worshiped false gods, the one thing the Lord asked him not to do. And something that was brought into perspective earlier is that I feel that a word that Solomon got from God when I was listening to my Bible, it said, you know, all power belongs to God. The Lord told Solomon all power belongs to God as a reference. The Lord told me, as a reference, that he'll never leave me. He'll never leave me. So, in the way that the Lord told me that it was something I needed, I knew, I felt it. I needed that. I needed for him to say that. I needed to hear it at the time that I heard it, despite what I was going through. And at the time, I felt so confident in the Lord. I felt so encouraged. I felt that I had never been closer to the Lord or more. I never believed and trusted him any, any more than I did in that moment. But he came to me. He said, I'll never leave you. And to me, it felt like that word. with so much like he said it how he said it just it shouldn't be anything else around me I'll never leave you but in in retrospect of the situation I said well why would he say that I know he'll never leave me he's right here isn't he always but also his voice you know, trumping everything that I was listening to and hearing in the process with all of these different individuals pretending to be God and trying to use his word against me. It was hearing his voice was a confirmation that that was the only word he had spoken to me the entire time despite all of the voices that had led me up to exactly what I had experienced. They got me closest to him I felt I had ever been. And when I thought about it, I was like, he said that to reassure me. Right before it, I had actually said, though, you know, you know, please don't leave me. No, Lord, please don't leave me. You know, because I think I had heard and it felt that it was him saying okay you're good I can leave you now and I thought like the Lord would never leave me then the Lord said I'll never leave you and so really he's confirming you know that's not me I was, that was never me talking to you and I would never leave you but I felt that he was confirming so much more as well I felt he was also confirming, like, you know, maybe this this very happy moment for you that you will have seen as a, a big milestone and stepping stone in your life may may at one point become a very sad, you know, experience. One day you may look back on this situation, this process, and you may you may feel as if I've left you. You may feel that I left you. And that's why he he said what he said when he said it. So that whenever I remember this experience, I also remember that he said, I'll never leave you. So it feels like this stuff is so obvious and you're supposed to have been given wisdom. So why aren't you, you know, why can't you see what everyone else sees? Why don't you really understand what's going on here? and i'm you know sometimes i feel disappointed in myself like am i failing him am i disappointing him will i disappoint him like solomon did and worship false gods will Am I doing that already? Am you know am I even worthy of what the Lord has blessed me with? And it becomes very difficult. Very difficult to continue on in my faith. Excuse me, so I fight it every day. Despite the many things that people tell me, it's like I've never stopped hearing. That's not God. That's not God. I've never stopped hearing that. And like, I'm like, it has to be God. Because I found my purpose and my destiny in the process. And my sister and my niece was delivered. And I saw holes in my hand like Jesus. And the light poured out of me. Like Michael when he defeated Satan and blew him out of he- heaven, excuse me, down to hell. and I heard the Lord's voice. I heard God's voice. I felt He was inside of me. And I saw demons coming off of people. These type of signs and wonders and things cannot be performed without God. So, how is that not God? And so I say to them every time, you No, know, I'm talking to God. I am, my intent is to worship God. That's who I'm worshiping. If intent matters, because the heart can be deceitful. The Bible says that your heart can be deceitful. So, this is just. It's been difficult. It's been difficult to get through. And now I'm wondering about, like, what my future will consist of and what it will look like. And the Bible says do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry at all. Worry is a sin. But when I think about my past, I think about my present, I think about my future. And I wonder, like, What will my future consist of? Well, I will look back on these, you know. I will look back on these moments and these times that I feel have shaped my future and given me something so much like my purpose and my destiny being revealed in the process. And I'll see it as a very sad time. Though. Throughout so much of the process and everything that I had gone through, it felt as if it was an anchor for me to hold on to God and never let go. I'll look back and I'll possibly even think, God, why did you leave me? And I'll need those words. I'll never leave you in order to truly anchor me. So, I'm not there yet. And it's difficult to think about a time when I will be, even though it feels like that's all I'll ever want is to finally be there when I know what the truth really was. When I fought so hard for it throughout this process, like I've literally fought so hard to anchor my, to allow God to be my anchor and fight through these deceptions and these lies of Satan in order to move forward to the version of myself that I am destined to be as opposed to these very hard times, these things that feel that they're not supposed to be here, these difficult things that don't feel like they're supposed to be here. and I keep trying to inspire myself with the word of God. I keep trying to inspire myself with prayer I keep trying to inspire myself with these situations that it feels like God has brought me out of, but I will look in back in the future I'll look at my I'll look at these situations and feel as if He's left me in them is difficult to grasp, especially when I'm surrounded by you know seemingly A lot of individuals who would love to see me stumble and fall in my faith. (sighs) Excuse me, who don't necessarily want me to ever be okay in God. But... I am. I still trust God. I don't want to ever not trust him. I feel like all of that. Like not trusting him. Feeling as if he left me. Feeling as if he had forsaken me. Feeling as if. You know he's not real. And feeling as if. You know. I can't believe in him. And. All these different things that. I feel that my entire life, I should have been anchored to the truth, in are going to be questioned on a serious level. And I'll need those words to anchor me. And I wonder how difficult it'll be for me to find consolation in them. Like, I don't know. But on another note, I just want to read. I just want to be able to read in God's presence again. Like, I haven't been able to read in like two years, almost three years right now. I haven't been able to read in peace. And now I regret, I don't want to say regret, but now I just... That I didn't embrace the times that I was able to read enough, even though I embraced those times so much. Like, I love reading, but I still feel as if I took those times for advantage because I just want to read. I just want to be able to read a whole library right now. I've always had dreams of living in one, and I can't even read. I can't sleep. I can't eat in peace. Like, oftentimes, I can't even breathe. But I do feel that my future is different from what I saw. I feel that the future vision of myself that I seen, where I left my family and I'm, you know, Things can never go back to how they were. And with someone who claims that they have loved me more than anybody else in my entire life, I don't feel that that is my future. I don't. As crazy as it sounds, I don't. I don't believe that that's my future. I don't. Because... It feels like everything I've gone through in, the, in this process, all this deception and lies, actually support that and not my real future in God. Because there's no way I don't believe that he would ever allow me to end up in a permanent situation like that without him. That's not the God I know But then again, I can't say that I know for sure what will happen because life is hard. And because of sin, we have to, you know, live these hard, very hard, very difficult situations. I still have confidence that God will deliver me from Satan's plans for my life. I can't see Satan's plans ever being my destiny. If the Lord says he won't have my destiny, then I don't believe that that's my future. Because I believe that that is in support of Satan actually keeping me from it. So. It may be the opposite, but I just don't think so. So many different things about it screams wrong way. And it's not impossible for me to go the wrong way, but, you know, Solomon did. Despite him being given wisdom, despite him writing half the Bible, despite the very great relationship he had with the Lord, he still went the wrong way. I don't want that for myself, though. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I believe that that will happen. And in the vision... I dwell in the Lord's presence and, dis- and he descends above me at all times. But nothing's right with the Lord. Does not make sense? You know, the Lord's going to love you no matter what, what you're doing, where you're at. Like he said, he'll never leave you. But I'm, you know, nothing's right. Everything He showed me is right in this process that has, you know, been necessary in order to wake me up to know who he really is. None of that is still there. And there were also very wise words in the process. The wise words were, this is why the Lord cannot do your work for you because you'll run right back to exactly what he had to pull pull you out of. And he said to me, it is a shame that everything that I will have delivered you from this process, you will run right back to. And I feel myself doing that. I see it. Like, it's just happening. And I'm fighting it. But it's like, it's like I'm not winning. But also at the same time, just feeling like the Lord is right there with me. Like, you can never lose with me. The Lord never loses, so is it possible that I have to lose in order for the Lord to win? And I've been thinking about that. Like, would that even be, you know, considered equal to me giving up the very destiny I felt that I was given that day? I have to give up my purpose and destiny that I've been fighting so hard for in order to truly win with God. Doesn't make sense or add up. Doesn't feel like it goes hand in hand, but... Maybe that's the only true way to win, because it feels like a lot of things have been brought into perspective. It's like forgiveness is the only way. And so, you know, I never saw myself leaving my family, so in order for that to never happen, I would have to forgive them. And a big part and portion of that was like things will never be the same. So let me allow them to be. And that requires for me to give up my destiny. Give up this future version of myself that the Lord says I will be. And no one can stop that. But sometimes you're fighting so hard in a certain direction. Satan just loves to bother you. He just loves to keep you from what you're fighting so hard for. He just loves to wear you out. And sometimes you just have to give in, but I didn't feel like that's applied in this situation because give up on the Lord, give in to Satan and actually worship him. That doesn't feel like anything the Lord would ever want me to do. But why is it so difficult to worship the Lord? The Bible says I will be persecuted because Christ was, but... Like, it feels like the best advice I've been given from people who have gone through this who are older in age, and the Bible says wisdom comes with age, even though he gave me wisdom. The best advice it feels like has been, you know, just do it. Whatever it is that they're after, let them have. Whatever it is that you are fighting, don't fight it. Just let it happen. And it feels like that literally means like, okay, so they're trying to get you to sell your soul to Satan, sell it. And that that sounds like the worst advice ever. But you know, sometimes the Lord, because he works in mysterious ways, the worst advice to you is the best advice sometimes we can't see past our small bubble and like it sounds so backwards and so wrong and it sounds so dumb and it sounds so like obviously not the case but it feels like it It might be the answer like sell it then sell your soul you know give up on God because maybe by then you'll realize that you can never give up on god he can he'll never give up on you and then also by then maybe you'll realize like your soul is not even yours to sell by then Satan will possibly leave you let you be and then that's where you find god that's where you find your real destiny that's where you find your real outcome but i don't I don't know I just don't know because I just feel like I would never do that but it also feels like I've just been fighting so many unnecessary battles like I don't want to let people down like assuming that I actually could But that sounds like wisdom to me, actually. Sometimes what you have to do is exactly what you'd never do in order to find a solution. And it feels like there's so many indications of that. With them hiding a lot of the things that I need behind the things I would never look, you know, I would never do, I would never look, I would never try, I would never have or want or see or go. That's where my answer is, that's where my treasure chest is, that's where I find my answer. Because Satan is sometimes going to hide everything you need in the answers to your questions behind what you never do or want. Why? Because you never look there. They're never going to come this way. They're never going to do this thing. They're never going to have this or want it or see it or need it. So hide it there. They never find it. So sometimes you have to look where you never go in order to find exactly what you need. does it sound like or seem like rocket science, but, you know, it very well could be the answer, or it could be exactly what you thought it was. You could go that way, and it could be exactly what you thought it was going to be. It could be the worst decision you ever made. And you can go through so much trouble because of it, and you could suffer in a process. And nothing, you get nothing but hard, just hard times. And it could be a waste of time. And you end up back at square one where you have to start all over again and go back to where you started, where you never should have left, Well, you should have known better. It could be either. This is life. All situations exist. You don't always get a reward for good decisions. You don't always get, you know, you don't always get consequences for bad ones. That's what Ecclesiastes is about. And Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes so it's difficult because, you know, Solomon did get exactly what he was supposed to get or meant to get when he did exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. You know, it feels like Solomon's story is quite literal. Every direction he meant to go in, he got exactly what he was looking for, what was meant to happen. It's possibly it's most likely not true. Not every time, but it could seem that way. He asked for wisdom. He got wisdom. Everything else he didn't ask for in his heart, he got too. Because the Lord said he would provide. The Lord asked him not to worship any false gods. And, you know, if he did, what would happen? And he did it, and that happened. You know, he got money, attention, you know, fame. And usually what happens when you have those things is you get caught up in them. That's what happened to him. It feels so literal, but in the process he learned that it's not always that way. And the Lord told me when I was 15 years old, you're not always going to get a reward for making the right decision. You're not always going to come out a winner for being one so it just feels like which one is this like what's you don't know that's the thing you don't know you just have to take a chance take risk and live life and that's what's been so difficult for me lately like so I'm doing that I'm doing the best I can to make the right decisions and I'm still feeling like what like what happens here I don't You know, okay, so today was the second day of me just like getting out in the morning and like getting breakfast, coffee, and just like trying to, I guess, well, I don't know what I was trying to do, but I know I saw this vision of me getting out more, getting more words from God in the mornings and just like you know, enjoying the horizon and just different views and like the morning breeze, et cetera. This is things that when I first started off I would just do. And for me it was like it it was very vital for the rest of my day. It, it made the rest of my days less difficult. More God-filled. But doing it now, you know, I'm not so sure about because it feels like it could possibly be a distraction. And it feels like, you know, there is this possibility that it's, you know, a bribe. Like, more like if you if you if you let go of this or if you stop fighting so hard on this and let this go, then you can get that and you don't have to be tortured in, anymore. You don't have to be tormented by Satan anymore. We will leave you alone or we'll, you know, make sure that you have those mornings with God that you want again. But no one can promise these things for you because No one can move God. So, you know, if of course you are aware that that's what it is and you're accepting that, it's it's just a bad move. But I look at other Christians, I look at other people who are believers and I see that it... It's never what it looks like, but it just seems so much easier for them than it is for me. Like, I'm, I'm facing so much adversity. I fight so hard for God, and I just try and do my best to focus on him. But I'm just always so distracted, and lately it's like I can't feel it. You know, I've been filled with so many different, you know, I'm going to be honest. You know, what happens is when you're dealing with Satan worshipers, when you're dealing with people, principalities and powers of darkness, I've learned recently that, you know, well, I've, I've known this for a while, but, you know, I'm seeing it a lot more recently that they put snakes you to get you to do what they want you to do or get you to feel a way they want you to feel. So if they want you to be jealous of them, they'll put a snake in you to make you jealous of whatever it is. If they want you to be distracted, they'll put a snake in you to distract you from the word of God. If they want you to, you know, be depressed, they'll put a snake on you to depress you. But these are really not even the most difficult you know things these snakes they are you know they are tormenting they are tormenting you can torture them back with the word of god you can focus on god you can listen to worship music and worship god and You can focus in on whatever feeling it is or whatever part of your body that you feel them in because the Lord will identify it for you and you can torture them. You can torture them to the point where they won't even want to come near you because they know I'll be tortured. But for me, it's more difficult because I'm fighting, you know, principalities on higher levels. So when they put the snakes in you, they, you know reinforce the snakes inside of you so that you have to fight or beat them in order to get them out of you they will hold them down in you they will hold them on you because it's delaying and distracting you from your purpose and your destiny so you have to get stronger than whoever sent them because they will hold them down on you because the more you pull them off they'll keep putting them on Or they will make sure that you aren't aren't able to focus enough on God in order to pull these snakes off of you. You know, these snakes will try and get comfortable, make a home in your body so that you cannot pull them off. And it makes it more difficult to get them off of you the longer that you keep them because it makes it harder to identify them. So you have to know who you are in God. You have to find your identity in God. Because when you don't, you know, you you may mistakenly think that one of these feelings are your own. Another issue about the snake thing is that, you know, these principalities of darkness, they, you know, matter of fact, I skipped that because it just slipped my mind. And I already know that that is like a snake put on me to get me to forget what I was about to say. But it's constant. And what happens is you have to take out whoever's sending them. And it may not be as simple as taking the snake off of you. The snake can come off of you with worship. You know, they are demons and we have power and authority over demons. But the snakes have to be, that's what I was going to say. The snakes have to be more afraid of you and your worship. Not more afraid of you, but more afraid of God in you than they are of whoever sent them. Because there are snakes who will be sent on you and... They'll be, you know, controlled, you know, sent. Whoever they're sent by, they know will kill them. They know will torture them worse or kill them. So if they come back without the job done, so they have to be more afraid of you. And I've seen situations exist like it's happened with me where they are more afraid of you or the God in you. They are more afraid of God's power in you. But either way it goes, they're going to be tortured and die. So you have to fight whoever it that's sending them. And if you won't take them out, then the snakes will stay or they'll be resent on you. And it's over and over and over again. They will build up to hundreds of these demons sent on you. I've seen it happen. And the Lord, you know, he burned, he killed a hundred off of them, a hundred of them off of me at once. I remember this, you know, so vividly. And then it was the one, like, the one, like, I guess, head demon. It wasn't a snake, but it was really, like, shaped like a hand. And it had, like, a tentacle that sinks down your back and into the back of your head. And it just controls your thoughts and your thinking, getting you to sin over and over again, to torture your mind and keep you away from progressing in your faith and in your journey on your journey. The Lord, it was a hundred of them pummeled on top of me and I was like up underneath a hundred of these things just feasting and pulsing on me. Pulsating and feasting on me and they all fell off of me and it's like a big building, a big burden, a big boulder of like heaviness and stress and just filthiness and sin fell off of me all at once i felt them fall and die and then it was the one the one main one that was ugh, disgusting it was it was the head of them and it was on the it was right on the back of my neck and it was had its tentacles sink down my back and it was feasting off on, on me and this one was very difficult to kill Because it was the leader, I guess. And so, you know, I worshipped. What I did was I listened to the Bible. I listened to worship music. And I focused on what it felt like before. in, In God's presence before all of this. Before all of the torment and the torture. And, you know, before I knew that they were there. And what it felt like to be in God's presence when I was just growing in my faith. And I knew it was just me and God. And I just focused in on that. Because they tried to get me to believe that I don't believe in God. I've never prayed before. God doesn't exist. And, you know, I am not, you know, I don't have any power in God. I'm not protected. Like, they tried to wipe my mind clean of everything that makes me me. And the Lord told me to focus. This is coming off of you. And I focused and it was peeling off of me like tentacle by tentacle like if someone has their hands gripped around you and then you just peel the fingers back like it was just holding on to me like that and the tentacles just started peeling off of me until there was like two tentacles left on me and I was fighting you know the Lord was fighting for me and he said just focus and I focused and then the tentacles would peel back and then You know, I have family members who are fighting for me because I called out to them. But, you know, things like this oftentimes can be prevented and possibly if you cannot prevent these things from happening, it will be much easier to get these things off of you when you have a more supportive family. And it's not their fault because just like you fell into temptation, into sin in order to somehow get into that place because it wasn't necessarily my fault. But it was like different things that I would do, like, you know, being on social media all day, listening to secular music, smoking, um, drinking and, you know, doing drugs like weed, different things like that, you know, that would you know strengthen these demons so when you have more supportive fan members that are praying with you that believe in god that are in support of your deliverance it is so much easier to fight these things that's why it's important for it to be two or more when two or where two or more are gathered jesus will be and it felt like everyone was really against me but i had a brother Who stepped up and he fought a demon off of me. I felt him pulling on this head demon and the tentacles pulled back a little. And then he said, It's stuck, it's stuck, I can't get it. And then there was also somebody else who just had, you know, I guess run into me in this situation. They pulled on the demon and like loose the tentacle kind of like with a big pull and the Lord, you know, the Lord did like all the work and then I focused and fought very hard and then eventually the tentacles released the demon died and the tentacle that was going all the way down my spine was pulled completely out like limp you have to kill them you have to kill them in order for them to release off of you when someone has sent that on you to actually kill you so sometimes it's not about them being more afraid of the power in you but just about whoever sent them you have you're, you having to grow stronger in your faith in God you know to be made strong enough to you know to be stronger than, than whoever sent it. And when this happened like, It was a whole wound in my back, right below my neck, right below the back of my head. and my back, below my neck, it was like a big open wound and gash from where the tentacle was sunk into my back, all the way down my spine and in my brain. And I felt the Lord, like, heal me. Like, he just sealed it. He sealed it back. And I felt it was open for a while. But he said, it's okay, it's going to heal. And... You know, in the process, what I noticed was the different individuals around me who were not as supportive as I felt that they could have been. They would be my biggest distractions. And I don't even think that they were aware of, you know, how much of a distraction that they were. They felt that it was normal. They felt that they were just doing what they wanted to do. They felt that they were just, you know, just because we're not super, you know, Just because we're not choosing God like you choose God, just because we're not super strong in our faith or something like that. Like they will always make it seem as if you can't define my relationship with God or it's not that I am, you know, a Satan worshiper or that I am deceived by Satan, but just that I'm doing what I want to do. And you have a problem with that. And it's like nobody has a problem with you doing what you want to do. It's the fact that I can see that he uses you, he deceives you. But I can't judge he's deceiving he's deceived me too. But it was just like you would just notice people's responses, like while the gospel music was playing, it was just so many distractions used. And you know, I was listening to Sanak Waymaker. And they would they would just start laughing. They were laughing and joking and clowning and you know, just like always, 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 always laughing and playing, always laughing and playing and never taking anything seriously, never taking anything seriously, everything's so funny, everything is, oh, I'm just cool and you're not, or, oh, you're just not invited, you can't sit at our table, or Whatever it is and all this stuff, they don't understand how Satan uses them. And I recognized that. I realized it, that as I fought for Jesus, he stood there still fighting for me. And, you know, as the Lord fought for me, what I noticed is that Satan used a lot of the different people around me to become distracted. And what I would do is I would fight for them too. I would fight for them to get their eyes on Jesus, their sight on Jesus. And this took a very long time because, you know, not at the time, but this had, this was a big, long process because what had happened was they were being tortured to see Satan. It's not fair. You think that just because I am, you think that you're off limits and you never are, but you know, so throughout the different times, I would just have to remain faithful in God and stay focused in order to get people to see, you know, why it's important to ignore these different situations. And oftentimes it'll come in the form of, you know, do you do you think that you can trust this individual? Because, you know, right now you're laughing, you're joking with them, and the next minute they're turning on you. But I know it is not them. I know that it is Satan. But sometimes you have to bring those things into perspective to get them to focus, you know, more on what's more important and others are you know so headed for destruction it's as if you cannot get them to see because you bring things into perspective like this is not really your friend This is, they do not have really good intentions for you and as soon as you are not you know benefiting them for this reason when you know it's satan it's not the person is satan using them and deceiving them you are kicked to the curb and then i'll have people say i don't care i don't You know, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. This is what I want. You know, I don't, you know, I'm don't be mad because I'm cool and you're not or don't be mad. You really wish that you could do this, too, and all this other stuff. And you see that Satan is deceiving them. And you try to bring these things into perspective, but it's so deeply hidden because, you know, of our upbringing in this world, I believe it's about a lot of these learned behaviors. You want to, you know, you want to fit in. And a lot of that comes with being deceived by Satan. When God strips you of all these different things, you feel as if it's unnecessary or you feel as if it's just too, it's too, um, it's too holy, it's too righteous, it's overboard, it's not called for, you don't need all of that. And, you know... That's how we're deceived. It's how we're deceived. So a lot of people don't want to lead this lifestyle of God because it's not, you know, it's lonely. It can be very lonely when it comes to this world. You literally have to choose more of this world. So what I noticed was a lot of people were deceived. They They were making fun of the gospel singer and the gospel song when these demons were falling off of me. And I tried to get them to focus. I tried to get them to see what was happening there. But they would just laugh. They were laughing. And the Lord said, be careful not to be distracted. Don't fall into that. He wouldn't let me. He kept me. And the other people, I tried to get them to see. A few people, they broke for free from like the deception. And they were able to help fight a little. But they would, you know... I would see that they were still distracted, so I think in this process I may have even recognized how some people may have gifts that they aren't utilizing correctly, because they were there were certain people in this situation who were able to, you know, who were able to see clearly and see past their own emotion to fight for God, and then and I believe that that was a form of having power in God and fighting Satan off of you. And it may not look like that or seem like that, like when you're just kind to someone, despite what you've gone through that day. When you decide to overlook different things or forgive people for things, when you're walking away from certain situations that don't serve you, this is power that God has placed inside of you. And a lot of times people take it for granted because they think that, you know, that's just you know that nobody appreciates that, nobody cares for me when I'm doing that, and you just look like a sucker. You just look stupid. You just get walked over, played over, treated like an everyday person, and I'd rather, you know, get my get back. I'd rather get my revenge. I'd rather be the person that they know not to play with, that they know to, you know, when I when they see me coming, that I'm not I'm not going for any of those things. And Satan uses you. You're not as much of a threat or you're not willing to still put your heart out there for love and for kindness and for people and to forgive and still be willing to treat someone like they never hurt you no matter how many times that they do. That's power, real power. And you know, you don't get any real power from, you know, cutting people off or being hard-hearted when it comes to forgiving someone or being kind or just being considerate of someone else's feelings or considerate of what someone else is going through. Being selfless is real power in these things. So I would notice that. I notice the power in certain individuals who are able to overlook whatever transgressions between you or them. And that will create more power like in this situation this the Lord he made this individual my knight. This is my stepbrother. We actually fought. We literally fist fought. I hit him with an iron. He broke my nose. He ended up in a neck cast. I ended up with my nose like dislocated for a while. And my dad fought him too and my brother fought him too and his mother, you know, she hated me for so long and and like, he used to be in his room and he used to do witchcraft and he used to, you know, play with Ouija boards and he used to, you know, cut his hand and put blood in the six stars and he put witchcraft on me and all kinds of stuff. But it wasn't necessarily because of hateful reasons, not that I, I don't think, but my, mainly just because he was, you know, deceived and, you know, driven to do these kind of things. And so I believe it created a sort of a divide between me and this individual for years. I said, you know, I I wouldn't want to really deal with him like that because I know he does Ouija boards. and He plays in witchcraft and that stuff is like really bad. But it wasn't like I would really hold things against him. I would just stay away from that kind of stuff. Other people, they would run to go watch and look and you know, want to be involved. And I'm like, I don't even want to be anywhere near it. I don't want to be even really in the house, but I had to. But, you know, this is the same individual that the Lord used as my knight to protect me from worse, you know, people, worse situations, worse, you know, just the wrong kind of individuals will be around. He became one of... He like his power was shown in God. He was so much power was inside of him because he fought past all of the wickedness, even though he was involved in a lot of it too, but he fought past a lot of the wickedness to defend me when these when things were that bad. So God made him my knight. And I realized there was so much power in him because he was non judgmental, he was loving. He had a good heart and, you know, willing to give his life as well. And so it was just, I just noticed, I just noticed how the Lord was pruning people. And, you know, with another individual, which I'm, you know, still debatable, it's still debatable. this individual because I think that my stepbrother was made a knight to protect me from this individual. And so this is why it's very difficult to even trust this individual even though they helped to pull a demon off of my back. But the problem with that was I had to call on them. I had to call on them. Like they claimed to be by my side the whole time and they claimed to care for me. But when this situation happened and the demons were... I had to fight these demons off my back. It was just me and the Lord. It was just essentially me and the Lord. You know, I don't want to lie. These individuals were there. But they were kind of like still. Like they were in the background. Kind of like possibly even laughing at me. And they they didn't, you know, run up to support and help. But, you know, I almost didn't want to even judge or blame them because I said to myself what would I have done in that situation would I have been strong enough to run up on somebody and pull a demon off of their back would I have been able to be quick on my feet and thinking like that am I close enough to God that he would place a power inside of me at my heart would you know I would be strong enough to do that so I didn't want to even judge someone else like what would you do you know as From my perspective where I was, I needed people to want to support that. I had Jesus, but I needed to know that I had anybody around me who loved me enough that wanted to see me free of this. But I didn't even want to be me at the time. I didn't even want to have to be, you know, being feasted on by this demon. I didn't want to have to fight this demon. If I could have left my own life, I probably would have. So, I really didn't want to choose or decide or judge someone else who didn't want to be involved in that. It was a very scary situation. And then Satan was right there and he was threatening anybody who dared to help me. So, you know, you can't be more afraid of Satan. You have to fear God more. But you can't assume that everybody is that brave. So, you know... I had to call out to certain individuals, and I was deceived into believing that these individuals had, you know, cared enough for me that they, you know, cared enough to even pull these demons off of me to begin with. And I'm not trying to say this in a hurt kind of way, because of course it hurts, but, like, I'm healing now, I'm... I'm so much better in God right now. I I don't feel like I don't have anything against them. I don't hold anything against them. But it's like I've called on them and I noticed that where they were before I called on them, they were in the crowd and they were just hanging out and having fun and laughing and joking and playing and wanting to be a part of this you know, cool crowd or the fun conversation or they were just deceived. And then when, when I called on them to take notice or my brother, when I called on my brother to take notice, you know, he was scared. Satan jumped at him and said, I dare you. But the Lord allowed him to help and he stepped up and he helped. He tried to pull on it. He said, It's stuck. It's stuck but then somebody else you know they stepped up i called on them and they really at first wasn't even going to you know help even though they were right there and it felt like the way they were feeling was they wanted to help they wanted to do something they wanted you know me to be free but they just weren't they they didn't immediately step up but i called on this individual and at first They were afraid of Satan, you know, and I believe Satan, you know, scared them back. Like, I heard them jump back in fear, but, you know, they still, you know, the Lord allowed this individual to help me, and they pulled a, pulled the demon off of me. They they gave it a big pull and the demon came off of me a little more. But the Lord did most of the work. The Lord did all of the work and I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Like it felt like this individual was on looking from a distance wanting to help but sometimes I wonder because like I see the situation as it's progressing in the way that it is and it feels like this individual possibly you know is possibly like against me so you know in perspective when I'm not when I'm not trying to really just wanting this person to be someone who was fighting for me I look back and I see that the Lord he was upset with me for a minute he almost Like, he just almost was about to be like, you know, fine, let him do it because you're choosing him over me. And I believe that I said, how how am I choosing him over you? I'm not choosing him over you. You know, I'm, you know, I was actually just trying to see, you know, if all of the lies, like, if it were lies, I was trying to see because the whole time this individual was like they stayed by my side and it's like that they were, you know, it's like they were there for me. And I wanted to know the truth. Like, why aren't they pulling, helping me to pull, you know, get these demons off of me? Is it possible for them to? I wanted real answers and I didn't feel that I was getting them. But looking back, I think maybe it was the Lord That actually scared them off. And not Satan. Because they were still playing in my face. They were still playing over me. And when the Lord was fighting demons off of me. They were pretending to actually want to see me free. When they possibly didn't even want that for me. I mean wouldn't they have been there already without me having to ask for them and when I asked for them it felt as if it was just to save face that they helped the Lord was there without me having to ask for him he was there fighting for me period he was just there being an example of what it's really like when someone wants to see you free when someone really loves you and I didn't believe him because I still needed to see from them if they cared and they possibly would have never helped if I would never sought for them. But I do believe everything happens for a reason because then I get to see, you know, who, you know, if given the opportunity, would have fought for me. I forgive whoever in that situation. But, you know, I do want to say that I don't blame them because they were deceived by Satan. They were very much being used by Satan, but I think that with the Lord, you know, he was a little, he was disappointed in me because I sh- I should have just focused in on him and known that he was all I had and he was all I'll ever have and had given him that undivided attention out of all the work that he was doing to save me. That's what it was about. And I don't want to sound like I'm just so corny, like I need someone else to fight for me honestly looking back you know I wish it wasn't so hard to see that these people weren't for me because I probably I possibly would have never called on them for help if I had known truly better but I should have by then and that's I feel like why the Lord was disappointed in me like to see the Lord debate whether he should help me or not you know It really hurt me because I said to myself, you know, it's really me. It's really me. You know, it's not them. It's me. Like, they are who they are. They're doing what they're doing. They feel what they feel. That's whatever. But it's really me because I have the Lord. I have Jesus Christ himself right here pulling demons off of me. And I am looking for someone else's help. It's me. So, that was difficult. But... You know, and I I beat myself up for putting so much emphasis on the people who did help because it's like the Lord did all the work and he made that clear. Like, I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the work. I'm doing everything. Like, I know you're fighting and I'm making sure that you fight for yourself, but I'm doing all the work. You know, you want to remember who helped you. I'm doing all the work, and it's like the reason why that was so difficult for me because in my mind I'm thinking, Jesus, you're perfect, you love everybody, you are forgiveness. You know, when I look back in retrospect, of course it's gonna be you, all credit it's gonna be you, but it's like in my mind I'm thinking, and I'm and this is wrong too because that's operating. In a, in a mindset of unforgiveness, but I'm thinking to myself, later on, once I've made it out of this, once the Lord has brought me out of this, I want to know who really was for me and who wasn't. I want to know, you know, for sure, who not to deal with. You know, not even who not to deal with. I, It's not even about not dealing with them, but just about, like, knowing who they are. Like, it's so hard when you have people around you, like, I care for you. And i do this for you and I'd help you and I'm always by your side and I love you and I'd never leave you and, you know, we're meant to be together and all this other stuff. You had these people around you doing that and it's like they wouldn't even help you if you were dying. And you just want to know for sure because it's just so difficult to see past the many different faces people put on. That's all. It wasn't really about choosing anybody over God. But if he said that's what it was, that's what it is. He's He's the one who's always writing on me. So I had to bring that into perspective even though in my heart it wasn't that I was choosing this individual. It's that i couldn't tell a lot of times which side to really put this individual on are you for me or are you not for me like which one is it i can't really tell because even the lord has given me a word on you like you're a maybe and then you're here and it feels like you are able to you're rooting for me in the background sometimes rooting for me and i wonder if you can do more if you want to ever to do more so I was really just needing confirmation, but I guess the Lord was upset because it's like, what, con- what more confirmation do you need when I'm the only one right here fighting for you? You sh- You didn't have to call on me. I showed up. You don't have to ask me to be here. I'm here. You don't have to ask me to fight for you. I'm doing all the work. So no one else should matter. Nothing else should matter. But I guess in my mind, I just has separated things because I'm like, there's God and then there's people. God is perfect. God is always there for you. God will never leave you. People, they're not perfect. They don't know how to be perfect. A lot of us don't know how to love correctly. We don't even know what real love is. So you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And, you know, maybe that is a confirmation that. If the Lord is going to send you someone, he's going to send you someone like him who's going to be there for you without you having to ask. Who's going to do all the work like him who is really for you and you don't have to question it. You don't have to guess. There's no confusion. You know, there's no second guessing these things. So that's where I was wrong, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it because It's all a learning and growing experience. At the time, I was 22 years old, like, very young and naive. So, these experiences in life are what teaches you and and grows you into the person and individual that you one day be. You know, what's also oftentimes very inspirational for me, that, you know, Malcolm X, he was, you know... He was a burglar. He was a criminal at 22 years old. He became, you know, one of the, you know, greatest. He became one of the greatest leaders ever. So sometimes it starts off like this. Oprah was a prostitute. Maya Angelou was a prostitute at around these ages. These things do not define your future. I was wrong and I'm growing and I'm learning from it. But another thing I do also want to take into perspective, not to defy the Lord, but out of all the people that I, you know, would have wanted to call on, these people stepped up. As scared as they were, they stepped up. They did help after me having to ask, but it's about wanting that love you don't have to ask for. It's about deserving that love you don't have to ask for. So there are, there is better for you should never settle. And if the Lord says that, you know, you have me, you have someone you wouldn't even have to ask to love you. You don't need anything or anyone else. And that's what it is. And my sister, I wanted to call out to her. But she was behind a crowd of individuals who are heavily influencing her decisions. And I recognized that, you know, she wanted to fit in. I called out to her a little. She mocked me and tried to um, distract me from God to prevent this from happening for me. But and she cried for the demon and not for me but i saw something else when nobody else was looking when they thought that oh she's not checking for her sister anymore i saw her heart reach out for me her heart was really reaching out for me she was afraid to come from behind her group of friends she was afraid to stand up for me and she was afraid to stand behind me but I saw that she wanted me to come out of this, though, in her heart. I saw it. Like, she cried for me a little. And as I said, we deserve a love that will stand up for you. You deserve a love that will step out of any crowd for you. You deserve a love that will be there for you that you don't have to ask for, that you don't have to search for. You deserve that kind of love. But, you know, also just taking into account, you know, Just being more understanding. The Lord showed me that. He showed me how she felt. Yeah, she cried for the demon. She cried for the demon. But, you know, it's not funny. But, you know, she wanted to be able to step up. She wanted to do something. She wanted to care for me. She wanted to, you know, be able to fight for me. But it was just so many people around her heavily influencing her. And as much as I was being tortured and tormented, she didn't, she was afraid to go through that. She was afraid to have to be singled out like that. Everybody isn't that kind of person. Everybody is not built like that. Everybody can't stand up to the crowd. Everybody can't stand out from the crowd. And that's no slight to her. It's just me understanding that, you know, I'm, you know, deep inside my heart when I say, I know who my sister really is. I'm, you know, not necessarily wrong, you know? I'm not necessarily wrong. So the people who were bullying her into not helping me, that plays a part too. Because if they weren't so against her helping me, would she have helped? Maybe, maybe not. But I saw it in her heart that, you know... She was still kind of rooting for me. And sometimes you fall into a place or into a crowd, you know, with individuals who aren't good for you, who aren't a good influence on you, who aren't necessarily heading in the right direction. And you feel as if it's very difficult for you to stand up for yourself or for someone that you believe in or for things that you believe in. And, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm still going to acknowledge who you are inside. Other people are going to say, nope, forget you. You weren't there for me. You know, you care more for me to fail or for me to fall or for me to die than you care for me. You should have done something. You should have stood up to them. You should have fought for me. And I felt that way for a long time. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you have to be grateful for your life and that you're here and that Jesus stepped up for you. And then at the end of the day, You know, see people when they are not being seen or heard because, you know, regardless of who she had to, regardless of what was going on around her, who she had to be, or what she was influenced by, I know who she is deep inside. And other people might say that's corny, other people might say whatever, but it's like, I guess that's what sets you apart at the end of the day. When you are, you can't give up on people. You have to be like Jesus. You have to see the good in them. When all you can see is bad. When it's very difficult to see the good in them. Because imagine, you know, the Lord seeing me underneath all of those filthy, sinful demons that I actually have strengthened because of my sin. He saw me up underneath hundreds of demons feeding off of me and guiding me down the wrong path. He saw me up underneath all of them. He pulled me out the miry clay. He saw the good in me. He saw me worth fighting for. And he fought for me. So he taught me that. And he's teaching me that every day. And that's that's who I want to be. I want to be the kind of person who sees the good in everybody. So oftentimes I think of Judas. Judas, he was stealing on the money bag he was greedy and he sold Jesus over for 30 shekels but the Lord still washed his feet the Lord still broke bread with him he still shared a glass of wine with him he ate his last meal with him knowing that that he would be the reason that was his last meal the Lord loved Judas regardless of who he knew him to be Jesus knew everything every time Judas stole money out of the bag. Jesus knew. He knew. And he still kept him around him. He still loved Judas. That's what it is. So, oftentimes we think we have to be surrounded by individuals who always love us. Who don't hesitate to believe in us. Who don't hesitate to fight for us. Who are there without hesitation. But... You know, sometimes you're going to have individuals around you who, you know, would choose money over you, attention over you, power over you. And they're still vital to your story. They're still vital to your journey. You still have to love them. We are called to love these people regardless. And if you lack that, then you lack. So, I've learned so much on this journey and this assignment that the Lord has given me to revise these people, you know, something I noticed today, earlier today, like I've been down for a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks and I feel that, you know, all of the people I've been fighting so hard for and working so hard on for a year and a half, they have seemingly, you know, run right back into everything that I fought so hard to keep them from, jump right back into sin. And it's... You know, enjoying my absence because, you know, they're just running wild with no leadership. And it just it just immediately reminded me of Moses when he was on the mountain with God, when he was being given the Ten Commandments, the rules for our people. And they said, you know, he's been up there for so long. It probably had been, what, two weeks. And they decided to, you know, worship false gods even after all God had done for them and God he got mad he started to leave them behind he started to turn this back on them he started to you know decide to kill all of us wipe us all out because of our unfaithfulness to him and our idolatrous lifestyles and are just running wild even after all he had done for us like in five minutes this is you can't wait five minutes. And no, not literally five minutes, but however long you would have had to wait, it would have been nothing compared to what you were just delivered from. And you run right back to sin. And we are the same people we've always been. And so it brings that into perspective. I'm not better. We are these people. I am the same way oftentimes. I do my best to remain faithful to the Lord, but I'm being used. And he can use anybody. And so... I believe that this, this time is coming up for me to intercede for my people. The time is coming up because months ago I saw the frogs. They were a indication of the plagues. What, 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 what you know, what plague we were in. You know, the Lord is calling this wicked Pharaoh to free our people. He sent me here, you know, to be a guide, a vessel, because he is the guide. But the time is coming up where I will have to intercede for them. I will possibly look back or look around and see all that they have run back to, you know, in my absence. And of course, everything happens for a reason. And I will have to intercede for them. And I will have to understand how imperfect I am and how the Lord has had to intercede for me. How the Lord has sought a good in me despite my many mistakes and how much I lack. And I will have to take that into account when it comes to my people, our people. So that being said, I was listening to the Bible in Jeremiah, I believe chapter 50, 50 or 51, if I am not mistaken, the Bible said the Lord will cause them to fall into a perpetual sleep. And I noticed that I cannot get up. I just sleep all day. And I recognized that the Lord was talking to me. He was talking to me. He does that a lot, you know. When I was worshiping, he said, the Lord breaks the teeth of the wicked. And I felt as if I was going to break my teeth as I worshiped. And there's been so many different indications in the Bible. I know that he's talking to me. So, you know, the Bible says, whatever you do to the least of those out there, you do to me. So I have to be the least. I have to be the least, the less. I have to take the position of the most powerless, most, you know, the biggest so-called loser, outcast. You know, I have to put myself in their shoes and I have to be able to understand it from their perspective because oftentimes we want to be considering a position of leadership, you cannot lead unless you understand what it's like to be the lowest of the people you are leading. You know, when you're, when you know what it's like to starve, you understand how important it is to feed those starving. When you know what it's like to be homeless, you know what, you know how important it is to find shelter for those who don't have a home. When you know what it's like to be you know, outcast and isolated, You then you understand what it's like to be a friend for those who don't have one. You have to be the least of those in order to lead or guide anybody. That's what the Lord is calling us to be and do. You cannot lead from a position so high where you cannot truly understand what it's like for the lower people. You don't take them into consideration much. Oftentimes, you're only making provision for those who already have. What about those who don't? So, I see the Lord placing me in the lowest positions, understanding what it's like to starve and struggle and be isolated and be unwanted in order to be able to help those and understand those who have nothing. So... I love his ways. I love the Lord's ways. He's amazing because I know what it was like before he put me in this position, before he prepared me for this position, before I ever knew. This is this was a position that I ever deserved to be in. I know. So... I appreciate God for sending me here and I'll just stay tuned for his next move because it is him. It's always him. Without him, I'm just dirt, you know, I'm really nothing and I I cannot do this without him. And I caught someone trying to trap me like a day ago. They tried to say to me, you know, you can't do it without him. You don't have the power to do without him. Who would you be without him? And they wanted me to get puffed up with pride and say, I could do without him. You know? And sometimes I, I feel urged to do that, and that's something I also need to work on. But I can do without him. You're absolutely right. And that should be exactly what I want to hear from you. Every single time, that's a compliment. That's the greatest thing you should ever hear from somebody. You can't do it without God. You would never be nowhere you're you are without Him. Thank you. Like that's the biggest compliment ever. You're right, and I'm glad you see it. Like, why didn't you know? You should never second guess anything else. Like, it, that's what you need to hear. That's what you want to hear. Like. I shouldn't still be taking God for granted like this. Like, sometimes I don't even realize how much I do. I see different posts and people are saying the different things that I just don't appreciate enough. Like, they'll say things like, the Lord, you know, he has He has made people see, you know, who you, no, not who you are. The Lord, the pe- people see who you, people see the Lord in you. You may be, this is the word I've actually gotten recently. I could do better, but I'll just say this one. You know, you are possibly the only God that someone will ever get in their life. You are the only view or version or example of God that someone will ever have their entire life. So make sure you're being a good representation. And. It just made me realize, like, things I take for granted, like, you know, here I am thinking, but I should be good enough to, you know, change that. I should be used as a vessel to be, you know, good enough to make sure that I am not the only representation of God you ever get. Like, I want you to actually have him. I'm not doing a good enough job. I'm not being good enough and I want to feel like God is not supporting me enough or maybe you know I'm not doing enough if I hear that but that is you know a great thing that's great and I'm taking these things for granted like you may be the only representation of God that someone has ever gotten in their entire life and it could be me that's a compliment so you know These different things are being brought into perspective. I love Jesus. I really do love the Lord. And I have so much work to do. But at least the Lord is using me as a vessel and allowing me to get this work done. See me as worthy of it. And so it makes it all worth it. Even when I have to suffer. So. That's a compliment. You know. You are suffering in the name of the Lord. Like, that's such a compliment. So many people out here are suffering, you know, for nothing. They're just suffering. People are suffering for jobs. People are suffering for bad relationships. People are suffering for money. People are suffering in so many different things out here in this world. It is a blessing to be suffering in God's name. So. I take these things for granted. That's something that God was bringing into perspective for me this morning. And I'm going to fight harder. I'm going to do better. I do have confidence. I have confidence in him.